This is a Hoff Studios podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, Ashley. How are you this morning? I'm doing so well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great as well. I My daughter is out of school, so we have dad on duty out there, and we're making it work. Amazing. <laughs> Where are you at in the world? I am currently in North Jersey visiting Amazing. friends. I feel like you travel a lot because just from – because I only started following you a few weeks ago, but there's like this whole part of your brand that is traveling. Yes, which I never really expected to be part of my brand, but I am loving it. After this, um, I'm going to Phoenix on my way home tomorrow, and then I go to Hawaii in two weeks, and life is groovy. (laughs) That's awesome. You're going to Hawaii for your retreat, right? I am. Hmm. So exciting. Can't wait to get into it. Okay. So let me introduce you for the listeners. Great. You are Ashley Manta, the <laughs> author of CBD Solutions Sex and the founder founder of Canisexual. Yes. So what the hell is a sex coach? Tell me <laughs> more about that because I'm sure that my listeners will also want to know as yeah. you are a sex coach. Absolutely. Um, so If you want to get stronger and you want to start going to the gym, sometimes you feel a little bit overwhelmed by just like so much equipment and so many different ways of approaching fitness. And so what do you do? You hire a personal trainer who has done all the things and who can work with you specifically where you're at to achieve the goals that you have in mind. That is what I do as a sex coach. I am a personal trainer for your sex and relationships. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about like my perception of sex coach in the past. So I have a lot of friends in the coaching industry and in the sex professional industry because I used to work in the nightclubs and we, I was friends with all these cosplay dancers and BDSM, BDSM dancers and people in this like, you know, underworld. And then they started merging into the upper world as sex coaches and therapists and educators and things like that. And I was extremely triggered by like the content and the education thinking, why would I ever need a sex coach? And even just my friends suggesting like, oh, you should read this book or take this class was so triggering because I found myself extremely sexual in my younger years and explorative. And what's interesting is now at 38 years old and a mom of a five-year-old and a relationship of 10 years, I'm like, maybe I need a fucking sex coach. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, right. I'm sure you hear hear a lot of that type of story, right? Like, because it's triggering. It's like something so intimate and especially if you were so explorative when you were younger or have been in certain relationships, then it almost feels like, why would I need somebody to help me in that intimate space in my life? And I'm sure that you've received that feedback before, right? Like it's, I feel like it must be hard for people to really relinquish themselves and say, like, I'm ready for this intimacy and this kind of coaching in my intimacy. 
there's so much to it. As you so um, accurately put it, like people get triggered. Like the the shame that we hold around sexuality just kind of broadly. And mm-hmm. then also like how can I possibly admit that I don't know everything there is to know about this thing? How could about I admit my own body? That, right, about my own body, about my own pleasure. Like, what does that mean about me as a human if I have to mm-hmm. admit that I don't know everything? Mm-hmm. And that can be challenging for people. People get very like, uh, but what I have found is that typically the couples, it's most of who I see are couples. Um, largely monogamous couples. And then I sometimes see uh, single women and they come to me when they're sort of at their wits end. They're like, we've tried a couple of different things. We've read the Cosmo articles. We, you know, maybe went to a workshop once on vacation or a bachelorette party and we don't really know what to do with ourselves anymore. And we feel like if something doesn't shift, like this could be the end of our relationship. And so that's usually around the time that all of the the shame wears off enough that they're like, oh, okay, we we need help. We we just do. It's like I wave the white flag. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I really wish that people wouldn't wait until they get to that point. It's fine. I can handle you however you come in. But mm-hmm. I would like people to see it more as like you wouldn't wait until you had no other options before calling tech support. Like the first time your computer hiccups, you're like, what the fuck is it doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you wouldn't wait until your computer is unusable. And and so I would rather people start to see this as like a part of their sort of overall relationship, health and maintenance as mm-hmm. a way to just connect with themselves, get clear on communication and learn how to ask for what they want because we live in a culture that doesn't really teach you how to do that. So what are the so what are the hiccups that they should be tapping in for support as they move along in the relationship whether it's like really early on I'm sure you see people even early on wanting to explore deeper meaning in the relationship and deeper intimacy and then I'm sure you see people at their wits end so like what are the signs and and not just the signs where it's like something is wrong but also what are the the benefits that they can receive by tapping in earlier than later Absolutely. So one of the most common things I see is is fighting over really inconsequential things. Like, you said you were going to take out the garbage. Well, I didn't feel like, why didn't you, you could see that it needed to be taken out. Why didn't you just take it out? It is never about the garbage. Mm-hmm. That is like three other fights masquerading as this very banal thing that they're mm-hmm. getting pissy about. And so when you start to see yourselves fighting over dumb shit <laughs> that just does not need to be an argument, then you're like, ooh, maybe we are not communicating well. Maybe there is some like resentment stewing that we really want to take a look at. And so the benefits really are are starting that Sorry. The benefits are stopping that before it starts. So Mm -hmm. getting into a groove where you are able to say, oh, I'm noticing like I'm feeling a little bit ignored. Like I'm I'm feeling lonely and I'm feeling Mm -hmm. deprioritized and I would really like some attention from you instead of Mm -hmm. kind of creating a situation where you need attention being able to say, oh, I am a grown-up. I am noticing that I have a need and I'm going to ask for it. Because a lot of this comes from attachment wounding as children. 
you know, mm-hmm. if you get into like the psychological side, which I don't get too far into because as a coach, I'm not a licensed mental health professional. I don't play one mm-hmm. on TV. But, you know, if you were not getting the things that you needed from your your family of origin and you had maybe a parent who was distracted by whatever, career, addiction, a tumultuous relationship of their own that was not always able to be there for you and you got ignored a lot, you may not be able to readily be like, hey, I need a thing and expect that that thing will be met. But when Mm -hmm. it's an emergency, when you're like, I'm bleeding, I fell, I'm crying, then you were able to get the attention. So you Mm -hmm. sort of end up like blowing things up a little extra. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I also find that in in relationships like as they build the circumstances in your relationship as you get older just in general mm-hmm. are more intense in your everyday life like adulting right we like jokingly call it adulting as millennials but like truly like the taxes and the bills and the amount of responsibility of your career or your job especially as a lot of the people here listening are likely mothers or entrepreneurs that are also mothers or going to become mothers in relationship. The other person has a career as well. It's like you're in this space of masculine, taking care of your world and your life and your responsibilities. And then so how are you supposed to drop into these subtle places of intimacy and sexuality and pleasure just for oneself, let alone in one's relationship? And I think that if we talk about that, that would be really, really beneficial for our listener. So what is, what does stepping out of that kind of like fight or flight where you're creating a situation to be rescued, saved, or fought with, right? That you're creating this chaos. What does it look like to create a deeper, more intimate, emotional space with your partner? A lot of it really comes down to being able to stay over your, your own emotional center of gravity. So being able to notice when you start to get stirred up, when things are irritating you that might not normally, or when you feel like your reactions are sort of disproportionate to what's going on, being able to see that as an indicator light on your dashboard and go, ooh, wait a minute, hang on, let me just let me just get back in touch with myself. Let me take some deep breaths. Let me like separate myself from the situation and go breathe for a few minutes. Let me stretch or go for a walk and like kind of get clear again on where I am and what I need so that I can then articulate that to my partner. Because as much as we wish, our partners are just not mind readers. So Mm -hmm. the things that we think must be painfully obvious to them, because can't you tell that I'm upset and I need help? Why don't you just know what I need is not quite as intuitive to them. So being able to know what you need and articulate what you need Mm -hmm. is a skill that most people don't have. And, and so being able to kind of build that up. And I love that you mentioned moms because moms, boy, they have hard jobs. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all hardest. parents for sure. Yeah. But like the birth giver who our societal structures are such that that tends to be like the default, like child care being. Mm-hmm. It is so hard. I see couples all the time who struggle where mom can't switch out of mom mode. They've been Mm -hmm. chasing around small ones all day and cleaning up messes and, you know, kissing skinned knees and making snacks and doing all of the responsible things. And their partner's like, hey, just got home from work, like sexy time. And they're like, how about a nap? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So how do you switch into that? What is, how do, how do you get into that soft space? 
Because for here's how it comes up for me is either I'm so fucking irritated, just take the child. And then they're irritated after they've taken the child for 45 minutes or an hour, done bedtime and bath and all that. Now we're both irritated and exhausted. And or we have a really easy night. It's kind of family and it's chill and it's not super irritating, but it's like Netflix and chill. Let's do it because it was a chill night. And so it's like you start you form these habits where you're either just like nobody touch me because I'm touched out or, hey, let's just snuggle on the couch and fall asleep. And so it's really, so what do you suggest? Is it making appointments, like sex appointments? Is it creating <laughs> rituals? Like how do you even like turn, turn it off? And what is like yeah. a healthy amount of sex in, one, in one's relationship look like? Well, I'm okay. So I'm going to take that in reverse chronological yeah, are- order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is no right amount of sex in anyone's relationship. It really varies <laughs> on the people involved in the relationship. Some couples are perfectly happy only having sex a few times a year or once a month. Like, it's just not a high priority for them. They connect in other ways that are not specifically sexual, and that really mm-hmm. works for them. There are other couples who are like, no, sex is something that we both really need, and they really prioritize it. And so that's when, like, things like scheduling sex can make it a little bit easier because, you know, if you've got small ones running around, babysitters really help. Like I've just been at my other best friend's house uh, who has a 21 month old and both parents work from home and they get a sitter during the day so that they can both, you know, do their jobs. That's very much where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. I, it had never occurred to me that if both parents were home that you would need a babysitter. And then I thought a little bit more about it and I was like, well, how could you possibly do your job when you're trying Mm -hmm. to like childcare at the same time? But, um, having, help on hand, whether it's a nanny or a sitter, or I really believe in community. So like make mm-hmm. some parent friends and take turns. tag team it, like exactly yeah. tag team it where you say, okay, this week we're going to take all of the kids and we're going to do like mini golf night and you guys go have a fun date night. And then next week it's your turn and have like two or three or four groups of parents who can all do that for each other. And takes kind of the burden off of childcare because it is incredibly expensive. Like there's a lot of this, there's privilege woven into all of these mm-hmm. things where, you know, if you're just struggling to get by, you are barely making ends meet, you can't afford a babysitter. But for those who have a little bit more expendable income. I will tell you what though, the most, the most, like I have a lot of women in Miami, that's where I'm based. And there's, I know a lot of single moms mm. who are now mothers of teenagers because they had their kids really young, specifically mm-hmm. some of the friends I know. And I, they are the most resourceful mothers. They Mm -hmm. all had these huge communities, single moms in particular. So I will give them a round of applause because they're so resourceful. And what I've noticed is that because we can afford a sitter and because we like, because I have a partner, Mm -hmm. uh, the hands aren't jumping up for that. right? Right. So I've had to actually create my own community and a really resourceful community where we say, you know what? I know you don't need it, mm-hmm. but because here's the problem. You spend the money on the sitters for work. It's really mm-hmm. hard to spend this money on date nights when you're spending exactly. so much. So even if you have the privilege of the financial income to spend, it, you feel guilty because mm-hmm. of it. And so that's that's the toggle that I've learned how to navigate lately is saying, okay, 
I will have one night to go out with my friends and the next night it's going to be with Gabe or the next time it's going to be a friend takes Samaya or we'll have a play date and we'll, we'll swap. You have to get Absolutely. super creative and resourceful. Totally. You agree. do. And the logistics aside, like there's also the thing that you have to factor in where like growing a human inside of you and then giving birth to a human is incredibly traumatic on a body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your entire pelvic floor changes, hormones change, things stretch and move and don't quite go back the way that they were before. Your interest and appetite for sexual contact or touch in general shifts. So there's like a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. for parents especially. And so that's why having a sex coach come in and be like, okay, here's some ideas. What have you tried? Where are you both? You know, do you have mismatched libidos where one person wants to be having sex every day and the other one's like, uh, once a month is fine. Mm-hmm. And, and how to just kind of communicating that. that and managing yeah. those expectations would be huge, yes. right? Because yeah. a lot of times the lower desire partner feels like they are a problem to be fixed, that they mm-hmm. have to overcome their reticence around sex in order to, you know, take care of their partner's needs. And mm-hmm. that's not the case. Like it's really important for both partners to honor where the other one is at, but not mm-hmm. feel like they have to push themselves to a point of discomfort to accommodate their partner's needs. Yeah. Yeah. And I really feel going back to what you said about after childbirth, things shift and move. So I had a, um, I had prolapse Mm. and it took me more than a year to really recover and fully feel empowered down there. And, um, and, but because of that, we got into such disconnect and a bad habit around mm-hmm. our sex life. And it wasn't even really articulated because I didn't know consciously what was happening, mm-hmm. not just physically, because I hadn't addressed it. It was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. So there was a blockage around what I actually would admit to myself was happening with my physical body. And then emotionally and mentally, I had a hard time expressing that because also the shame, right? So much. And um, and like this desire to just will it away or time will fix it. But I actually really had to do some physical work like Pilates yeah. and pelvic floor toning and um, weights and yoni eggs. And so as I started doing that work, I started feeling better, but then you just have these bad habits plus your whole body and identity shifts. And so this, you're hired. Hired. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> what's, fu- what's funny is one of our really good friends had all the, has coaching programs and like a whole mom group, like 40,000 women on Facebook. And she's always talking about, and she has a, um, pheromone, based scent company and pleasure and toy company. And I was really triggered by her content. Shout out Dana. I love you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was like, I don't need this. Like, who are you talking to? Like, I don't know what moms need to schedule their sex. And now I told her the other day, I was like, Samaya is five and I completely understand. I had no idea how wild motherhood was going to get um, and how intense it was going to be, you know, and it just got harder. I thought after a newborn phase, it would be easy. So here we are. Ashley Manta is hired. Amazing. (laughs) So I want to change topics and I want to get into self-pleasure because the one area, (laughs) you're right. This goes, this applies to all. Um, The one area that I've never had a problem with and I've had so much fun exploring and I would love to share with people is self-pleasure. So 
what does what what is your approach and what is your perspective of self pleasure? Because I know that it goes so much more beyond an orgasm. Absolutely. So I was lucky enough to study and train with and get to know Betty Dodson, uh, who passed away in 2020 at the age of 91, uh, who's very much widely known as the mother of masturbation. Um, she was hosting consciousness raising circles in her apartment in Manhattan in the 70s, teaching women so how to cool. masturbate. Um, but interestingly, masturbation is really the like least consequential part of what she did, even though it's the thing that made her the most famous. Her religion was self-love. It was all about cultivating a relationship with yourself and honoring yourself and loving yourself and celebrating your pussy and celebrating your pleasure. And That's why I wore my kitty, my kitty shirt, my pussy shirt. Yes, pussy exactly. Like it is the most consistent, reliable, secure relationship you will ever have in your entire mm-hmm. life because you will never leave you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's such a powerful practice to get into. And often like, we're like, oh, masturbation, like, I don't need to do that. I have a partner or I'm not that into it or like, eh, whatever. But really taking your time and figuring out what makes your body feel good, even not in search of an orgasm, just like, how do I like to touch myself? What kinds of fabrics do I like against my skin? All things being equal, what do I want to be doing on a Friday night? Just honoring and celebrating all of you and all of the parts of you and your preferences and loving those things about yourself, mm-hmm. not trying to change them, not being like, oh God, I'll be worthy when I lose, you know, 20 pounds or mm-hmm. when I like tone up this one part of me or when I get this like little thing nipped or tucked, like being like, no, all of me is amazing right this second. And mm-hmm. I love all of me and I don't need another person to validate that for me. I don't need a job. I don't need kids. They're all great, but none of those things can make you love yourself. And so spending a lot of devotional energy to that pursuit is never wasted time. Yeah. Especially, you know, when it comes to those insecurities, it's like if you are insecure about being with anybody else, the one place you can build that secure attachment is with yourself, right? And your own body. And to really be able to do that, it ends up making you more confident to the external world. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the missed part about especially self-pleasure and self-exploration, whether it's just selfies and lingerie in front of the mirror or, you know, like pleasure in front of the mirror or dressing up or just running around your house topless with your, just your undies on or something that makes you feel really free and on like with lack of judgment is so it's just so empowering. That's my favorite thing to do. So what are the, so what are some different ways for somebody who isn't so secure with themselves to either one self-pleasure or things they you know, things because they have a partner they shouldn't or they don't mm-hmm. need to. Maybe it's just, you know, something they just feel they don't need to do. Yeah. Um, what are some of the ways that they can get into it? Whether it's just, whether it's masturbation or different ways to really get in touch with their body. Yeah, absolutely. And themselves. So one of my favorite ways of doing it is to just look at yourself, specifically your pussy, in a mirror. Most people do not know what they look like. You know every inch of your face. You know the second a pimple is coming. You know, oh, that's a new freckle or, oh, there's a wrinkle or, oh, like, I know that my eyebrows do this. Like, you can go to 
a, you know, a, a salon and be like, this is how my face works. But we couldn't describe our pussies if for most people, like, mm-hmm. we're just like, I mean, it's, it's like down there, you know, it's, it, it does its thing. Feels kind of good when you play with it, I guess. <clears throat> so looking at yourself and really not just looking and comparing to what you see in porn or in popular media, because that is going to make you feel like shit. Yeah. Remember that you're watching porn. You are actually They've watching. They've all been bleached. They've all been You're watching sci-fi. Beautified. Like, it's it sci-fi. is no different than watching Avatar. Like, these, these are not quite CGI, but, like, these are not found in nature for most. You know, they have trainers. They have electrolysis. They have plastic surgery. They have camera tricks. Like, all of these different things that will make them look a certain way and, and very much catered to the male gaze for mm-hmm. whom, you know, most porn is produced. So to be able to separate yourself from that, one of the things that I learned from Betty is she was a classically trained artist. And so she would draw nudes and she would go to sex parties and she would draw naked bodies and then she would draw women's vulvas. And she treated them like architecture. There was a Baroque pussy. There was a Renaissance pussy. There was an Art Deco pussy. And when you start to look at your pussy, not like a some kind of idealized vision of what it's supposed to quote unquote look like, but just as art. Oh, look at the shading there. Oh, look at the way the lips fall. It kind of looks like fabric, like, you know, different, Mm -hmm. like a ball gown. Oh, look at the way that that goes from like a sort of a dusty rose to like a dark pink. Noticing just as though Mm. you were describing art or architecture to someone. And that mindset shift is like you know my friend uh, described my pussy as a she was like it kind of florets it's like a floret like a flower and she described it it was one of those florets on architecture Mm -hmm. and it was so cute and so funny because I have always been really insecure about the amount of lippage that I have and curtain and I always and one thing I said is this was like literally the other day laying on the beach and we we're just talking about like the size of our bikinis and how like my bikini keeps slipping and like maybe I need a bigger bikini because I have more curtain and we're kind of just laughing and joking around about it. And she goes, yeah, but yours is so beautiful. And she's really into art. And I mm. always uh, admire how she expresses her words and it's very poetic and very artistic. And so as soon as she said that, I felt myself really empowered because at first of all, I didn't really know she'd even ever seen my vagina. And I mean, we get naked in front of each other, but like, I didn't really like, you know, we're not like taking inventory, let's say. And so it was really cute and really sweet that she described it in that way. And I felt really empowered and it totally shifted. And that was from outside somebody else. So women, if you have friends and you've seen, get good at describing in yes. beautiful ways because that just shifted the way that I perceive my own pussy. And, um, and yeah, I even, I, I literally got on Amazon and bought your book because it was so beautiful. Thank um, you. the images and some of the copy that I could read just from the, the preview were so Thank beautiful. You. Um, but let's, let's keep on. So what other ways? So the yeah. mirror really so describing mirror. it in an artistic way. Mm-hmm. I think that's, so I have firsthand experience how that will shift your perspective. Yes. Amazing. I love that you and your friend did that with each other. Like that, that is true friendship in my ever so mm-hmm. humble opinion. I run groups for women both in person and online. And part of it is 
vulva gazing or genital show and tell as Betty called it. And oh, I can't wait to talk about your experiences. Uh, it is experiences. the most uniting, the most camaraderie building, the most like the way that I have seen relationships get cemented is just beyond what I've ever seen in any other group process when we do that. And these women are like sisters forever after that. So like I, get a couple I, of your girlfriends together, come to one of my body sex retreats and change your life. <laughs> and you know, I, I think that's so interesting because just like when she described how she perceives my body, right? So often, even in that friendship, my best friend, we can be in comparison and competition. Yeah. And it's so natural in our society, the way that it's built now. And we grow up playing sports and mm -hmm. just the world is so competitive and the way that women have been pit against each other is so natural and instinctual at this point in our society that to feel like when your friends do give you compliments and they're really from the heart and they're not out of envy or jealousy to really build on relationships in that way, like really yeah. seeing each other in the most intimate yes. of ways and honoring each other, it has to be some of the most profound experiences those women are having in their lives to be on these retreats doing that kind of work. I believe it really is. This is my passion. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I plan to. Um, beyond looking at yourself in a mirror or having a friend look at your pussy for you, there are plenty of other things that you can do. Um, one of my favorite things is to make a date with yourself where you just explore your body with no agenda. You touch all over, you touch your face, you stroke your chest, you, you know, maybe play with your nipples, but also like the inside of your elbow and behind your knee. And just uh, the technique is called body mapping. And so mm -hmm. you're just exploring different areas and noticing, does that feel good? Oh, you know what? I think I might want to linger there for a minute or two. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, I think I'm going to keep doing that. And then, you know, maybe you do happen to feel your, your energy and attention drawn to your genitals and you start exploring there, but not like I'm going to get myself off. So many of us, myself included, use orgasm as a pressure release valve. Like I want to get off. I can get myself off in three minutes or less if like oh, it's a time crunch. I'm Same. like, okay. Same. I was like, do I have time to masturbate before this podcast starts? <laughs> mm, it was close, but I really want to do my makeup. So <laughs> priorities. Yeah, it's like makeup or masturbation. Right? Like Same amount the, of time. <laughs> it's, it's an intense choice, but... It's quick. And so we, you know, squeeze really hard and we get, we build up all the pressure and then we, ah, uh, we have the release and then we move on with our day. And there's an opportunity there to really slow down and build the sensation and build the wanting and build and just, you know, hump and, and try different positions. Don't just lie on your back, you know, maybe try your side or on your belly or standing up in the bathtub try a hundred different things. You never know. You might like one of them better than the others. And so going in with, with a sense of curiosity, of, of playfulness even, that it doesn't have to look sexy. You're not doing it for anybody else. It's really just you and your body. So do that. And you know, for me, canisexual, cannabis helps with that. It helps me slow down. It helps me notice new sensations. It brings erogenous zones online that I wasn't expecting. And so I like to masturbate without cannabis and then masturbate with cannabis and kind of compare and contrast. Okay. While we're on the topic of cannabis, yes, I, when I smoke, I am that person 
when I smoke, I get too high, yep. you know, that line. So mm-hmm. I have avoided cannabis in, well, t- mostly THC flower in mm-hmm. all forms for long time, very long time, many years. Yeah. So what are different, I mean, I have had CBD lube, mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. Um, I've used, I know, CBD and hemp products. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But what are some THC products that you can use that, and how much can you use so that you yeah. don't get high? Because I would love to experience, I've, you know, now we have medical, like medical, mm-hmm. I haven't been using THC since really everything went online. So it's been over yeah. 10 years. Wow. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's been a very long time. I've probably gotten Mm -hmm. high like twice and I've been like, I'm too high. See, this is what happens. I don't Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe what are some different strains or different ways that I or people like myself could use THC because I'm not against it. I've just always overused. So is it, maybe there's edibles, maybe it's a certain amount. I know there's so many different hybrids now Um, because I would love to get those cannabinoids in my body and get some new erroneous zones online. Yes. That'd be wonderful. For sure. So I never recommend specific strains and here's why. There's two main reasons. One is I live in Southern California. So the strains that I have access to are going to be different than the strains that you have access to. That's one thing. But the other thing, even if you and I were going to the same dispensary buying the exact same product, the way that a strain might hit me could be wildly different than the way that strain hits you body chemistry, stress level, tolerance, all of those kinds of things impact it. So what I do recommend is if you're going to use cannabis in any form, um, smokable and topicals are my two go-tos. I tend to not recommend edibles if you are a beginner, um, mostly because edibles are so easy to overdo. And then you're on a very unpleasant, extremely long ride that you're just not going to have a good time. And especially if like if this was the night you had the babysitter and you like set everything up and now you're too high and you're like, fuck. This is probably self-exploration first. <laughs> yeah. Self-exploration first is crucial. Try whatever you're going to do on your own. Masturbate. See what happens. Um, but – For those who are especially sensitive to THC, topicals are a great option because you can use as much THC as you want in topical form and you won't get high. Hmm. So that – like I love bath bombs that are infused or like a THC-CBD combo bath bomb where it's like 50 milligrams of THC, 50 milligrams of CBD. So a one-to-one ratio. Yeah. That's a great – your body will feel like jelly by the time you get out. It will be magical. And then, you know, a nice massage and you may notice that things are tingling that you were not expecting. (laughs) Um, That's interesting. I don't think I really recognized or honored the THC at a topical level. Like I was just like, what's it going to do? If it doesn't do anything, what's it going to do? But I mean, I microdose psilocybin and you don't feel the Mm -hmm. effects, but it changed my life. And mm-hmm. it might, I can feel the way it changes the way my mind works. So, Absolutely. okay. So THC topical is definitely where I'm going to start. I'll be in LA next week. I yes! will be lined up at those medical. Yeah. Well, go to a dispensary. You can get it anywhere. Um, yeah. One of my favorite THC topicals that you actually do put directly on your vulva. Um, there are a couple brands in California that you get. One is called Quimrock. Um, Papa and Barkley doesn't have a specifically intimacy focused topical, but they have a tincture 
that Hmm. you, it's just oil and cannabis. So Mm -hmm. you can easily put that on your pussy. The thing with topicals containing oil, which is most of them, is that they are not compatible with latex barriers. So if you are someone who's not in a long-term monogamous relationship and you are still using condoms, you do need to be mindful of using um, oil-compatible condoms, which are things like nitrile or polyurethane as opposed to latex. So just that little aside. So important. When you're putting... THC or any kind of cannabinoids on your pussy, the thing to remember is that it is not lube. It is not an apply and go situation the way that lube is. This is a marinade. You need to Mm. let it sit for a while, like 20 or so minutes, 15 minutes minimum, 25 to 30 minutes would even be great. And that will give the mucosal membranes, which is, you know, it's like the inside of your mouth, also inside of your your vulva, that gives it time to absorb. And THC is a vasodilator. So what that means is it it um, expands the capillaries and blood vessels and it brings more blood flow to the area. So oh, amazing. more blood That's flow, more want. responsiveness. Yep. Yes. <laughs> also decreases pain. The thing that turned me on to all of this mm-hmm. is as a trauma survivor, I had pain with penetration for my entire mm-hmm. life. Wow. This was the first thing that has ever allowed me to have penetrative sex without pain. That's amazing. So what let let's talk about a little trauma for a second. Yeah. What what is it like for people? I have I have been raped and Same. I didn't experience I was pretty young. I kind of blame myself for being in this situation. Mm-hmm. So I took on a lot of responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. To the point where even like 15 years later, it took me almost 15 years to really admit what happened, but like I would yeah. say 10 years later I was going to like ayahuasca, peyote circles. This was like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are we healing? Like I've never yeah. been raped. Like nothing traumatic has ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think really over the last, I would say seven, eight years, then especially when I had my daughter, because the birth of a child is really the birth of a mother. Mm-hmm. And you go from, what is it called? Maiden to, or vixen to maiden. I don't know. There's like maiden to mother, maiden to mother. Sorry. That's yeah. Right. So going from maiden to mother, then you start to perceive maiden differently, right? Maiden is an innocent girl in the world exploring. So as I did this inner healing work and began to perceive myself as differently, as different, I, and more innocent, I really started Mm -hmm. to understand the traumas that were inflicted on me and they weren't all my responsibility. So then I could understand fully that I had been raped. And what's interesting is, like I said, being so exploratory when I was younger, being so comfortable sexually, Mm -hmm. and now recognizing that some of the trauma that happened, it's almost like it reopened those wounds. And I think that is a lot of what happens to most trauma survivors. And a lot of what happens to mothers, you know, you birth a child. So not only are there new insecurities and new trauma wounds, because birth can be very traumatic. Even for, I had a very conscious, non-medicated birth the way I wanted. It was Mm -hmm. still very traumatic. Yeah. So you're, you're reopening all these trauma wounds and what is it, what does that trauma work look like? Um, I know it's different for everybody, but what can some of that look like, you know, for yourself, maybe it's through masturbation and with your partner and body mapping sounds like a really safe Mm-hmm. way to explore your your wounds. Yeah. So maybe share maybe share a little bit of what the, what that looked like for you and then what that can sure. look like for other people cuz I'd love to hear more about your story. Absolutely. So um I've had numerous um instances of sexual violence in my life 
from young child to teen to even like in college and grad school. So it it compounded on top of um, growing up with an alcoholic narcissist mother who, you know, so I have like classic complex PTSD where mm-hmm. I get hypervigilant, I dissociate, it's really hard for me to be in my body sometimes. Sometimes I can't even feel my body, like I forget that it's there and then I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. right, I have a body." Weird. Um so I spent a lot of the first part of my life in just traditional talk therapy. Mm-hmm. And it was helpful in its way, but the thing that I learned as I started to do more trauma, intentional trauma healing work. And then like the beginning of my career was as a sexual violence prevention educator, a victim advocate, a rape crisis counselor. So like I, I took on trauma as part of my identity and like I geeked out on it because some of the ways that I learned how to deal with it was to intellectualize it. I'm just going to learn everything there is to know about trauma mm-hmm. and that will, that will heal me on its own. That's not how mm-hmm. that works. Just to be clear. Um, So as I did more research, I was like, oh, talk therapy is fine, but you can't think your way out of a feeling problem. And trauma Mm -hmm. very much lives in the body. It's stored in the body, in the muscles, in the fascia. Yes. Like they always say the issues are in the tissues. Mm -hmm. And it's really true. And so the most impactful work that I've done around my trauma has have been two main modalities. One is EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which you do with a therapist. And it's a modality in which you have some sort of bilateral stimulation, whether you make your eyes go back and forth or these there are these two little buzzy things that go back and forth in your hands. And it puts your brain into a, a different state so that you can- A theta re- state. A theta state, exactly. So that you can- re-experience these memories and reframe them and and go back in from an adult supported place and and kind of care for the the person who was experiencing them at the time which was just a younger version of you. So that was really helpful but the thing that changed the game for me was at the height of the pandemic in like summer of 2020 I was having daily panic attacks. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm I'm trying to feel my feelings. I was not feeling my feelings, but I was like walking. I was I was trying to do all the things that I thought would help, and nothing was helping. And so I went and found a somatic experiencing therapist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my favorite, I feel like my between hypnosis mm-hmm. and somatic experiencing, those are my two favorite methodologies. Yeah. My two favorite. <sighs> Hypnosis is great, and I, I'm actually a certified hypnotist, and I love that as work. But the somatic experiencing therapy for me just Next level. It n- knocked the socks off of every other modality I'd ever tried. I suddenly was like, oh, my God, I have a body. And not only do I have a body, but I know how to feel safe mm-hmm. in my body. And I can access the tools that allow me to get back to feeling safe in my body Mm -hmm. when I get triggered or set off because that's going to happen. Healing from trauma is not like suddenly nothing ever bothers you anymore and you're Mm -hmm. just like, it's like as though nothing happened. That's not how trauma well, healing works. Well, and it works. comes in layers. It's like, exactly. it's like an, you're like peeling back layers of an onion and it's like this for sure swirl. You just never know where you're going to hit a bump and mm-hmm. what's going to trigger it. So you have to have the tools and exactly. constantly be, you know, 
touching in with yourself around you, yes. where you are with it and what is safe mm-hmm. for you. Yes. Because your boundaries change over the Definitely. years. Like, you know, so I no longer tolerate certain people, certain things, certain ways people talk to me in my life. Yeah. Because that's yes. how I got into these situations in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I didn't voice my boundaries. So mm-hmm. go on. So Ugh. everything you're saying though, like recognizing the behavior and treatment that you will no longer tolerate is one of the hallmarks of trauma healing. I just got Mm -hmm. out of a seven year relationship with a narcissist because I did not love myself enough to be like, it is not okay for you to treat me that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, that whole time I was like, if I just love him enough, if I just am patient enough, if I just take us to couples therapy and and ignore all the ways that he's mistreating me, then he'll see how much I love him and he'll stop. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works either. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took being like, wow, like if I was someone else, if this, if this was happening to a friend, what would I tell her? What would I say to her? How can I look my women who come to my retreats in the mirror and say, you know, you deserve love and support and honoring and celebration while I am sitting here tolerating this because I don't feel like I am worthy of saying it's not okay to treat me this way. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting. It's like, <clears throat> it's so interesting. Your life's work has been led by your trauma experiences and your life experience, right? Like even being in a relationship for seven years, which is such a long time, but like narcissists never let you leave. Let's be real. They're always really long relationships. They are. But, um, <laughs> the, the, but it's interesting because you said your mom was a narcissist. So it's like, mm-hmm. of course, so what happens to trauma survivors and narcissist children and narcissists, victims is they become codependents, which make very easy targets for the next narcissist, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're healing your trauma and empowering yourself sexually, and when you're doing the work that you're doing, you're actually creating the solve to narcissism and to trauma and creating empowered people Mm -hmm. and creating an empowered version of yourself. And it's so, it's just so beautiful. I love hearing how your life's, you know, trauma and the experiences you have have actually led to your life's purpose. Yeah. And not just in an intellectual way, but in a really beautifully embodied way. So congratulations (laughs) to that. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. It is an ongoing work. Like I Mm -hmm. would never describe myself as healed past tense from trauma. Mm -hmm. It is going to be work that I do for the rest of my life, but I keep getting better at it. I keep getting stronger. And like I'm in the middle of doing a detox of no new partners where I'm like, I am not going to let someone else be my emotional scratching post as I'm figuring my shit out. I am going Mm -hmm. to learn how to be by myself and not like cloak my insecurities in a relationship where I can focus all my energy on them, I'm going to sit in a room alone with myself and be there. Which is the okay. only solve for codependence. <laughs> exactly. For and a it's while. Hard. Mm-hmm. But doing this work with, with these women and doing these retreats has really been such a beautiful opportunity to be like, we're all in this together. We are all healing something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever it is, whether it's sexual trauma or family of origin trauma or just life, I mean, the world that we live in, trauma, Mm -hmm. and being around each other and having other people who have no vested interest or nothing that they want from you other than just your growth and to to be there and and celebrate you. 
Yeah. That's how healing happens. And I'm like, yeah. I get to do that in Hawaii and like Amazing. In, in the mountains and, and all over the place. And how lucky am I? <laughs> so tell me about the retreats. How long are they? Is, yeah. Does the next one, next one have any spots? What yes. do the events look like every day? Absolutely. So um, the one that's coming up in September, it's the 15th to the 19th uh, of September in Hawaii on the Big Island. And so it's four nights. It's myself and my colleague, Dr. Shannon Chavez, uh, who's an amazing sex therapist and psychologist. So she's going to be bringing in the trauma work. I don't do direct trauma work because that's out of my lane as a sex coach, but I am happy to share about my own trauma work and what's worked for me. And Shannon's like actually equipped and licensed to do such things. Um, so we're going to be doing a lot. It's called cosmic embodiment. So it's going to be, mm-hmm. how do you get back into your body? What does that look like? Can you, we're going to look at our vulvas. We're going to do vulva gazing. We're going to dance naked under the moonlight. We are going to go to the volcano, the Kilauea volcano and do a huge release ritual and just allow all of the stuff energetically that's stored in us to be transmuted by this incredibly powerful earth energy mm-hmm. where you get to actually watch the earth give birth to itself because it is currently an active volcano, which is wild. Wild. Um, we're going to be eating farm to table meals. So we're going to be really nourishing our bodies. We're doing pelvic floor focused yoga every day. Um, so we can really get into our root chakra and really feel that like core strength building. We are going to have these kinds of discussions around who told you that your vulva needed to look a certain way, smell a certain way, act a certain way, respond a certain way? Let's unpack some of these cultural messages that we've received around pleasure and bodies and masturbation and partner sex and how we're supposed to show up in relationships. And let's see like what you actually believe and what mm-hmm. we can throw out as other people's voices that have kind of polluted your inner ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. Yeah, I feel like my entire perspective on body and sexuality has been formed by like 80s and 90s television, which is like Baywatch and MTV and porn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's taken a long time to really like pry all that stuff really off my perspective of my own self. So it's been powerful. We have five. Absolutely. Um. She's like, yeah, so that's happening in Hawaii. We do still have spots left. Um, If you're interested, hit me up. I will send you a link. Um, We're doing some like really budget friendly sliding scale options. Um, You know, given that it is Hawaii there, it's, you know, about 1500 to 2000, depending on your preferences, but like we can make something work. And I'm also doing body sex retreats in California with Dr. Shannon. Um, there's a beautiful retreat center up in the mountains in Kern County uh, called Fraser Park. And it's such a beautiful space. It's on 10 acres. It's completely private. There's this gorgeous log cabin where we can be naked. Body sex retreats are con- conducted entirely in the nude. And so you just go up and you take off all your clothes and we talk about your relationship with your body and your relationship with your orgasm. We do genital show and tell. We do something called I'm terrified. When is it? (laughs) (laughs) It is October 8th and 9th is the next one we have coming up. If you go to bodysex.com, you can see a list of all of the body sex retreats, not just mine, um, but they are actually around the country. Uh, But if you are on the West Coast or feel drawn to me and my energy, please come to our body sex retreats. They're going to be powerful and we're going to keep doing them. 
So exciting. And thank you. I wanted to mention that we're giving the listeners 10% off your awakened bundle course. If you can yes. just tell them a little bit about that and we're going to have the link. It automatically yes. applies it in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. So I recognize that not everyone can get to an in-person event, whether it's like health concerns or logistics for travel or childcare or whatever is going on for you that you can't get to California or to Hawaii for a thing. So I have online courses at elevatedintimacy.com and it's in a whole academy of different, I have a hand sex course, I have a dirty talk course. And then recently over the summer, I came out with my attuned lover bundle. And so it actually includes a 42 page PDF of like a lot of my favorite techniques and communication tips. I have my dirty talk course. I have something called my cosmic couples course, uh, which I actually taught with a co-facilitator and it's got some really great conflict resolution tips and ways of connecting. There's um, my, another hand sex class that I did like lots of really good stuff and it's only $97 and y'all are getting 10% off. So yeah. It's all in one bundle. Get on that. So get on that. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's really been a pleasure. When you're in Miami, you have to hit me up. We have to yes. go topless on the beach and just yes. talk about vulvas and life, okay? Promise I'm so me. there. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Awesome. You're welcome. Every week, we have a reoccurring segment, and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use and things to walk away with that are above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. The title is called Think, Read, Shop, Do, and Grab. Think, this week's rebellious perspective. What if the root of life is pleasure and intimacy and not success or survival? In our modern society, we are in constant pursuit of things, accomplishments, and our drives are often external, yet rooted in basic instinct to survive. What if we begin to live from a place of self-seduction and pleasure? What if those we interacted with did the same? How would we interact differently? To only do things that bring true joy and pleasure and tune in and ask, how can we bring that to others in all our interactions? Instead of asking, what can you do for me, but how can I bring you joy? Doing my prep for this podcast with Ashley really impacted me, and I hope that it inspires you too. So read, read the CBD solution, sex. How Cannabis, CBD, and Other Plant Allies Can Improve Your Everyday Life by Ashley Manta, our podcast guest. This book is gorgeous. It was authored by Ashley and produced by Mary Jane. Buy it in hardcover because you will not regret it. It is so beautiful. Shop Sliquid. This product is recommended by Ashley. It's, in her words, her favorite lube on the planet. And I'm sure she experienced experiments with many free of irritating chemicals. Use code CANASEX for 10% off. Do masturbate to your future self. Visualize your success, your joy, your pleasure, and your happiness. It's the same chakra as your crea creation energy. So masturbate to your success and manifest your future. And lastly, grab the Attuned Lover Bundle by Ashley Manta. It offers access to a sex vault library of trainings and guides to teach you everything you need to transform your erotic experiences. With the link below, you automatically get 10% off. It comes with Pleasure Playbook Guide, Cosmic Couples Workshop, the Stroke of Genius Workshop, and a bonus Complete Dirty Talk course. I think I'll sign up just for that. So thank you guys for listening. 
I hope you enjoyed getting to know Ashley and please share, like, and subscribe and check out these links because there's lots of great value and discounts. Thanks.